0: Well, good. Well, hey, um, I really am, if you'll just allow me just a couple of minutes and I'm gonna definitely allow at the end for you to ask me some different questions. Um, John Mark wanted me to give you just a little bit of an update of why we do fun with the sun, since we're rolling off of that from last week. And then, um, but I'd like to just start with um, answering the question that I think all of us should ask in the room tonight. And is why, why do we, Go. Why does God tell us To go and to share his love with others. I want to start there and we'll see where God leads this but why Why go and when I mean go I don't mean you know go from point A to point B, but philosophically and biblically why are we called to get outside of ourselves and share the love of Jesus to a broken world him. say it again to glorify, him. to glorify him great that's a large component he commanded, us to. he commanded us to absolutely I'm gonna make y'all dig a little bit I know that you you have a phone or you might even have brought your Bible to here here today and if you didn't bring your Bible it's quite alright we say these words to glorify. We say to command us to go. Can you kind of share with scripture where God tells us that? Instead of us just kind of knowing it. Where did that come from? Matthew 18. Okay, Matthew 28. Yeah, uh, that's, one, that's one of mine here. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. But Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came to them. And he, this is what he said to them. He said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore go and make disciples of all nations Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son And of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age and and we um, as a church that believes wholeheartedly in making disciples and equipping others, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. This is one of those verses that we can kinda hang our hats on. Yeah! This is why. This is what we do. Because there's a lot of richness and a lot of theology in here. And Jesus spoke it. And when Jesus speaks, my ears really are tuned to say okay, This is the Son of God leading us. What is he saying? And when he speaks to his disciples and he tells them that all authority in heaven has been given to me as the Son of God, therefore, because of that, we are to go and we are to make disciples of all nations. So that's a commandment from God. What else? What are some other reasons why we are to share the love of Jesus around us? To glorify him because he commanded us to go maybe even think through this um, as we go who are we to care for the lost okay we're to care for the lost anybody have any any reference from scripture as to caring for the lost Absolutely, Matthew 25, uh, 45, and Jesus replied, Truly, truly, whatever you do not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Because Jesus was giving the example of the humble, humble servant of us. And that we are to care for the least of these because Jesus Christ cares for them as well. So that is, that is a big component of why we serve others and we care for others. Thank you for that. We're supposed to love one another. Love one another because why? Because Christ first loved us. First John chapter four. If you want to read a very great guideline for the love of God, you can go to the book of First John chapter four, and it speaks. and And if you heard my intentional intentionality in the prayer that we started. Um, I was listening to a podcast like I normally do and The question was asked. What's the first thing you do in the morning and the first thing that a good? Person who follows Jesus says well. I just put my feet on the ground and I say Lord I May the rest of my day be lived for you, right? That's a great prayer God whatever happens from this day I I need your help. I want to worship you here and the guy said well that's a, that's a good good answer, but might you think of this, before you ever say what you're gonna do for God, have you ever just received the love of God first? Because how can we go and share God's love unless we've received his love first? That comes from 1 John 4:19. We love because Christ first loved us. There's nothing that we can do in our capacity in and of ourselves that's good unless we receive God's love first. And we understand God's love first in us. And once we have that, once we understand um, the true salvation of God in our lives, then that's going to change us to live our lives differently and to love others differently. Does that make sense to y'all? So in other words, loving others happens because Christ first made an impact on us and we received that love. And so um, that has always really struck a chord with me to know that, man, before I go out and share, I need to make sure that I've received God's love first and that he empowers me through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to be the hands and feet, which is another thing. <laughs> another thing of why we go to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, to, to be able to, uh, to share and to serve and to care for those that are in need and that is a way that we are to go and to share God's love. So I really encourage you, if you want to read the book of 1 John 4, I would really encourage you, but it also challenge you to understand that. Um, any, anything else? I just looked this up, because hell exists. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I just looked it up. Uh, Jesus said, this is Luke uh, twelve five, but I will show you whom you should fear through him who after he is... He is killed, has power to cast into hell, yes, I say you fear him. If hell didn't exist, we'd have a legitimate excuse for passivity, Uh, but we have God's word and reason to tell us what what awaits guilty sinners, how cold-hearted would we be not to mourn of its reality. Hmm. We go because hell exists. It's a simple fact. And again, in our culture, people want to dismiss that, oh, the hell's not a real place. Well, we even heard this this weekend from our message. Uh, was it Bo? I think it was Bo that was just talking about the fear of God in our lives. Um, do we have a holy fear of God? If we have a holy fear of God, that's going to propel us to live differently and to go. That's excellent. That's excellent. So um, you take all those verses together, and if you look at a church that has a huge wall that says, On Mission, and what we have done as a, as, a, as a staff and as a missions ministry is we've come up with uh, somewhat of a statement that says that we are to discover where God is working locally, nationally, and internationally, and equip the people of God to respond to his leading. So that's, that's a lot right there. So I'm gonna kind of break it down. To discover where God is working. That's the first part of why we go is that God is working Um, we talk a lot about this whenever we go on trips um, as a team Uh, we're really not bringing God into the places that we're going God's already there (laughs) and so many times we think even in our culture in America that we're like this the Superman spiritual people who have it all together and we're going to this area of the world that really doesn't have it together and we're gonna go and And just lay upon them how they are to live their lives because they don't know because we're America how wrong and how pious and how horrible is that that we can't think that God is working just as as great or maybe even in a different way in a place that might be a third-world country that's different than us so God is working all around the world and so what are we to do we are discover where he's working and we're to join him in that work we're not bringing God into that now Yes, you as a you know, as spiritual being uh, from God, you're you, you, you're you are bringing God into situations. But what I'm saying is, God's already working in that place. So discover where God is working locally, nationally, and internationally. Okay, that's where we get to um, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's in the first uh, chapter of Acts that we're commanded to go not only just to where we live, but to outside of where we live and then to the ends of the earth that's where that comes from and then we are to equip the people of god to respond that's the glorification of who god is respond to his leading and so you put that together and that's kind of why we exist as a church because we want to discover where where he's where he's working and join him in that effort and then in that to equip us as the body of christ to leave this place even this morning, and to share that love and respond to him with, uh, with worship and then just with sharing, sharing Jesus. Um, you know that on mission, uh, whenever I grew up in church, which I did grow up in church, many of y'all do not know my testimony, but I, I really grew up just being in church a lot. Can you raise your hand and tell me how many of you grew up in church? Okay, I would say over half of us. How many of you came to know Jesus later in your life? Right? Yeah. Okay. So about half of us, and and there, there might be some in this room that that you're still trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is, and you're trying to figure out what is what does it mean to be a follower. Which is, I'm glad you're here today, and that's great as well. Um, but but in in the journey of of knowing um, where. Where you grew up and 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 how we grew up um, is, you know, we we all have have different different journeys that that God, you know, has has displayed upon us and, and has truly just given us. But I used to think that missionaries were them and not me. That this is something that other people did that didn't pertain to how I would live my life. Um, And so the word mission or missionaries almost has kind of this them and not me connotation to it. Does that make sense to y'all? Because even when I tell y'all right now, we support as a church 23 to 24 missionary and church planters around the world. I don't know if you knew that, but we support missionaries right now that in China, I met with Paul Liu last week, in Prague, we have two missionaries in Prague, Um, in Kenya, Africa, um, in the Dominican Republic, in Mexico, um, in Baltimore, Maryland, I could keep going, of all of these church planters and missionaries that have received a special calling and they are actually taking their families and they've moved to go. And so when I used to think of missions, I used to think of, oh, well, that's them and it doesn't pertain to me. And um, that's something that I would like to let you know that I feel that all of us are called to be missionaries in, in some form or fashion that is different from just saying, oh, well, that's what they do. Uh, I sit behind a desk and I, Uh, I'm a computer programmer or I'm a school teacher um, and that I'm not really a missionary I'm not called to that to go and to, to share so I want to dispel that for us and I want to really challenge you that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and if you agree with everything that we talked about earlier about being commanded to go to worship and to glorify God in that that I believe that your mission field is where, where you are and you've heard John mark that say that correct you've heard our pastor say that and I hope that you hear me see, uh, say that today that that there's not a special oh well I have to root my family up and go to someplace like um, you know like, like a Kenya Africa like Bob and Julie Mendoza Donza, you know have done and that that labels me as a missionary I think that we wherever we go that we're commanded to go and to share Jesus. And so we all have that calling on our lives. Um, Luke 10, chapter uh, 10, verse one through four is a verse that's really been resonating with with our uh, missions team, our on mission team. And if you go there, you'll see just some great truth. It said, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them out two by two ahead of them, to every town and the place that he was about to go. And he told them that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, and go, exclamation point. So we see a lot of principles here, two by two. right? We see this many times in scriptures that we're not alone in this journey, that we are to go out. And, uh, and, and share, but it says to go out two by two, and uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So when he talks about the harvest, what's he talking about here in this passage? How is Jesus using, he, he loves to use stories and imagery to uh, convey his message, but when he says that the harvest is plentiful, what is the harvest that Jesus is talking about in this passage? The lost, those that um, are in the fields that they see, and, it, and again, you got to see that Jesus was sitting there looking over a field. Right? It's very pitch, picturesque, and so he's using an illustration that's around him. And so who, I would say, if it was today, and we're talking here in Allen, Texas, right, that these homes that we see out here, they are filled with people, and many of these people that are living in these homes are lost. When you're driving down 121, what are you seeing? You're seeing a bunch of construction? I'm seeing lost people. I'm seeing homes that don't know Jesus. See what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is saying here. So so these homes are filled with people that need to know Jesus, okay? The harvest is plentiful, and there's a bunch of them in our community. But the workers are few, okay? So who are the workers that we're talking here? What's the illustration of the workers for us? those who know Jesus that are doing the work of the Lord very elementary right guys this is very redundant but 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 it's good for us to articulate it so the harvest is plentiful and the workers so ask to the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers and so many times we can glaze over that they think oh well, we're just supposed to go no we're supposed to pause and we're supposed to pray God how will you use me to reach the harvest you stop and you pray you pause God, you've equipped me this way. You've put me in this office for a reason. You've put me in this staff for a reason. What is that reason? God, I need to know that. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do whatever it is to say, God, how can you use me? And then you know what? He's already working somewhere, so he's going to invite you to join you to work in that place. Right? So that's what it, ta- it says right there. Ask, to the, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And then you go. And then he says it's gonna be so easy whenever you go, right? No, what does he say? That I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. As you go out there, you're gonna get your, the door slammed in your face. You're gonna, pe- people will be talking, saying that, that you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Who is this Christ? Um, our culture is just gonna hit us right in the face because it's gonna be difficult. But then he says, when you go, that you do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not, get, uh, do, not get, uh, do not greet anyone that is on the road. Basically, he was saying, be focused. When you go and God has given you a direction to go, then you go and uh, I will be with you because you don't need anything else. You just need the gospel. You just need the truth of God. Uh, a little side note, um, whenever we went to Baltimore on our mission trip last week, uh, we went to the Museum of the Bible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that place, not only is it uh, done well, right? It's just an amazing museum. It's, it's only two years old. It's truly amazing. Uh, but just how this book of truth has truly transformed who we are as believers in Jesus. And so this... I, I got, they, they had one of, uh, one of the exhibits was, how has the Bible affected your culture personally? And so knowing that, okay, well now the Bible's not here, right, the Bible is here and here. And then you can get any translation you want here, where you know, before this, you always had to buy a commentary and a different translation. You can get the Greek and the Hebrew from here, you don't have to, so it, it's just how technology has changed the Bible. And how it goes out, and I got to go into this room, and I got to um, a minute. You had to push it, and you were on, and they videoed you for how the Bible impacted you personally. I'm like, oh, this will be a great challenge. This is this is fun. You know, how can I express all of that in one minute? And you know, uh, it was a great time of worship for me because I was able to look into that camera, and I was able to say that there's nothing. That has affected me more than reading and having the opportunity that the truth of God was spoken to me that I get to read and to Respond to this daily It was a powerful moment for me personally in my walk And then I walked out of there and I'm like how many times a day do I just not even acknowledge this? As the truth of life. This is all truly I need is the Bible Okay, I don't need Twenty different translations of it, right? I just need the truth. I need the Bible, and I need to soak that in so much. And so that's what he's saying at the end of the end of that uh, passage, is that he, you know, you don't need you don't need a per, you don't need to be a, a spiritual scholar. You don't need to have all this fancy things to to go into the harvest field. You have the truth of God with you, and that is enough. Um, so as we close, um, I, I love these stats. I get into stats of while we go, um, so th- these, th- these were, were, were compiled, I think, two or three years, so they're not like up to up-to-date, but they're pretty up-to-date. Um, these are important stats as we evaluate, as we proclaim the gospel locally, nationally, and internationally. Um, if y'all wanna go to the JoshuaProject.net, that is a cr- pretty great um, website that you can go to to see what different countries um, believe, like the origin of their religion, and also the impact of the gospel around the world. It's called the joshuaproject.net. But anyway, so so this is where a lot of this comes from. So um, 50,000 people in our world today become a Christian every single day. 50,000 come to know Jesus today, okay, statistically. 3,500 churches are planted every week whenever I say a church plant that basically means a new church is started every single week 3,500 90 million Evangelicals were um, in the world in 1965 as opposed to 680 million today, so we see a huge increase of Evangelicals across the world um, from 1965 today 90 million to 680 million. So um, ev- ev- Evangelicals, excuse me, comprise 9% of the world's population and that's up four from 1965 So 9% of the world's population are Evangelicals and Evangelicals are the fastest growing religion in the world at a rate of 2.6% um, Anybody want to guess at what the second fastest growing religion? Islam. Y'all are so good. Um, so we do have reason to say, oh, well, that's great, right? But let me give you the true skinny. Of the 17,000 people groups in the world, when i say people groups, those are, um, they're not countries, okay? I used to think that people groups were countries, but people groups, those are groups that are united by language and unique culture. Okay, so we've identified 17,000 people groups around the world. Okay? People groups, again, they're united by language and they're united by culture. 10,000 of the 17,000 have been reached by evangelicals. That leaves 7,000 people groups that are unreached. So when we might think we're getting ahead in the ballgame, there's still 7,000 people groups that have not heard the gospel before. And of the 7,000 people groups left, it's comprised of 2.5 to 3 billion people people that's 43 percent of the earth's population that have never heard the gospel so we might be saying we're doing a good job and kind of patting ourselves on the back whenever there is a world truly 43 percent of this world has never heard the gospel before that right there propels me to say okay it's, we got to go it's, it's our job to share so for every 10 people who come to believe in jesus 45 people are added to the world's population so we are actually losing ground not gaining ground and reaching the nations for the gospel and that's just a challenge for us as a church that is a challenge for us as a church so what's the answer well Romans 10 and I'll close with this Romans 10 verses 1 through 17 I'll read 14 so how can they um, so how then can they call on the one that they, they do not believe in and how can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone who is preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Because as, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And that's verse 14 from Romans 10 14 that God is raising up us to go Not specifically to be a missionary or a church planter, but to go as we leave this place and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to go and to be an encouragement to somebody in the workforce, to find those conversations that could hopefully turn into spiritual conversations and encourage somebody to know who Jesus is. So we see this full realm of, that stigma that I was talking about as missionaries are those that are far away, which, yes, they are. But God changed your heart the same way that God changed their heart, and he's calling you to a mission somewhere today. And I would challenge us, what is that mission that God has given you? As we look at Luke chapter 10, right? A harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We're the workers in this room if you believe in Jesus. So his strict command is, exclamation point, go. Go and share that love. Um, I hope that has challenged your socks off this morning. I hope that 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 has brought some curiosity to to you as to say, okay, what opportunities are there to go? So I'm gonna finish our time and then we're gonna ask some questions. With the Fun with the Sun update, John Mark wanted me to tell you why we do Fun with the Sun. Uh, Fun with the Sun, for you who do not know, We do this um, every single year in our community. It started with a handful of people that recognized that there were people in our community that didn't have school supplies. And so we uh, hosted a a lunch, collected school supplies, and we handed out school supplies. And now it has grown to where uh, we have made this a community event. And um, we used to bring um, bus uh, families into the church, and we learned quickly that the church is supposed to be out into the community. So we started having this event in the community. And so we had it at McKissick Park, which is next to Vega Elementary and in, in, uh, right off of 380 and 75 in, in, in McKinney. And so um, we purchased 1,000 school supplies and had this large event. We had uh, over 1,500 families from our community come, we had over 300 volunteers that included Cottonwood Creek and the community that served on that day. We were able to share the gospel with every single person that came in to, uh, to the park and received um, school supplies. That was a blessing in and of itself, isn't that great? Yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, um, we try to track as best as we can those who made a decision for Jesus, um, so that we can follow up with them. And um, I just, right here in these chairs right here, Robert came to church on Sunday morning because he came to fun with the son, and I was able just to share the gospel with him and pray with him. But we had, I know if you're a numbers person of 40, I know that made a decision, but it was raining, and we lost some cards. So we're trying to follow up as best as we can that those who made a decision that we can at least um, sit down with them like I sit down with Robert and say hey okay let's let's talk through the gospel again and and uh, get you involved in the church somewhere if not Cottonwood somewhere so so God was all over that uh, event and what that really does is that that propels us to be active in our community because your church has adopted the school that's next to it called Vega Elementary. And so a Title I school, if you're not familiar, Title I school is a school that exists that needs lunch-assisted programs for over a certain percent of the population that go to that school. So 50% um, or more live at or below the level of poverty in, so McKinney has 11 Title 1 schools. You would think, wow, that's not that's, that can't be, but it's true. So we have 11 Title 1 schools. And so what we as a church, we said, you know what? We we're going to make an impact on one of those 11. And so Vega Elementary is that one that we're investing in. So what are we doing to invest? And you might be again, as you listen to the to what I was able to share last couple of minutes and say well what can I do to get involved in our community? Well with Vega Elementary they're needing mentors so being a mentor for these children 30 minutes a day during the week is a great opportunity and so we are asking people to be a mentor for kids at Vega. The second thing is we've asked our life groups to adopt a classroom and so there are many needs um, like for example, we live in a neighborhood where it's not a Title I school. And so with with that you have families that have more resources. So whenever teachers and PTAs, whenever they have their groups and they need different things, you have a slew of volunteer of parents because typically typically I'm just gonna say this that, that most of the moms will stay at home and so they they're raising their kids and they're more they come up to the schools and there's a lot of help with these Title I schools, many, a lot of single families and the moms and the dads are having to work and the school gets almost no support. And so they don't have those resources and Vega is one of those schools. So what we're doing is we're saying, hey, let's adopt a classroom. And we go to those teachers and say, how can we support you? What are some resources that you need? And so, so over there you'll see it says adopt a class. And so we have a, a crate. And so we put a wish list and the teachers were, were right in there, well, I need markers. <laughs> I need um, composite notepads for my class, or something. You know, just just different things that they might need, and the class helps them. And so I've had maybe ten um, of the forty classrooms there at Vega already adopted, and so that might be a, a place that you can, you know, can get involved involved there um, at Vega. And then the last thing is they have field days. They have. Teacher Appreciation Day. Sometimes teachers just need copies to be made, and I'm, you as men are going, "Oh, that's really exciting. That's what I want to do." But uh, but anyway, those are just different opportunities that are happening at Vega. Okay, and so that's out of fun with the sun. Does that make sense? And so there's so many different ways. And another thing that I'm learning in in um, as being your missions pastor is the more that we can be out in our community being able to serve our community. Um, If you go to our website, and I really encourage you to do this, Uh, this is a really shameless plug for your church, but um, you can go to our Facebook page. I put a post on there almost every single day about the activity and needs that are in our community. And so you can go to the On Mission at Cottonwood Creek. You can find our Facebook page that I post things on, but also on our website, when you go to our uh, On Mission section of our website, I have listed probably 75, that might be stretching it, okay, maybe like 50 places that are that we have partnerships in the community, whether it's serving the special needs at Cornerstone, whether it's getting involved with human sex trafficking here in Collin County, whether it's going down and serving the homeless down uh, down in, in South Dallas or in West Dallas, whether it's... Um, the Samaritan Inn that's up here, going to Allen Community Outreach and working in their, in, their, uh, in their food pantry or organizing clothes for them. I mean, there's so many ways that we can serve in our Habitat for Humanity, go help build a house on a weekend. Um, there's so many areas that we as a church can serve. And so I invite you to, 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 to like our Facebook page or go to our website and find those places to serve because that is truly how we can be missionaries where we live and bring people along with us. So that's fun with the sun. Um, I know it's seven o'clock, just a quick update on our mission trips that we took. We went to Kenya, Africa. Uh, I feel like this is a business report I'm giving, but uh, God just transformed hearts as we were in Africa. We were there for 14 days. Um, Man, this is our fifth year to go. It's just a very special place to care for the the orphans of that area. Um, And then after that we went to uh, Chiapas, Mexico. Actually Justin led that trip. Um, Do you want to say anything about the Chiapas trip that you would like to share with the men? So um, then we went to the Dominican Republic. This is the, the ninth year we went back to the DR to work with Mashok Ministries. And so we take a youth trip in spring break and we take an adult trip in the summer. And then uh, we just got back from Baltimore, Maryland, where we worked with the inner city. We left on that Friday and Trump, Trump opened his mouth on Saturday. So we, 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 we missed that uh, by a day when all that happened. Um, So, um, pray for Baltimore today. If anything, just pray for that city. Um, It's a city that uh, I have fallen in love with personally. It's a city that needs to hear the gospel and needs transformation. And so you can pray for Baltimore, for sure. But um, these three church planters that we work with are just on the front lines of ministry. Um, I never really felt that we were in danger whenever we were in Baltimore, but... uh, I got a call from Jeff Belcher, the pastor there, and um, he said the neighborhood that we were canvassing for, our block party, there was three people that were shot in that same neighborhood where we were sharing the gospel. So um, you know, by the way, Yeah. I lived there for a little while, 20 uh, something years ago, and it was the same experience. You didn't feel a danger, but awful things would happen. Yeah. And a lot of the crime and the hurt that happens is internal, whether it's gangs or whether it's family struggles. And they say that normally a visitor, especially a white guy walking around, is way more safer than, than somebody who lives there. That's not what the police would tell me when I was <laughs> Yeah, well, the police would say, you don't need to be here. I, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. So anyway, just pray for Baltimore. Um... It was, it, was a, it was a great experience. And just pray for us as a church, that we'd be obedient to the call that God has given us to go and to share the gospel, because you are the church. And so if anything has, has maybe um, raised an awareness for you in our hour today, praise God. If, 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 um, if it has meant in, in your heart of, oh my, I need to stop and pray before I go, that right there's a win for the gospel. Um, but that, that truly we'd be gospel first in how we live our life today. That we'd be gospel first. That we'd look at our situations in front of us today and see the gospel in it. And that that would transform how we live our day. And I will just say this, God could be calling you to be a missionary somewhere. God could be calling you to start a church somewhere. You never know. But it all begins with us pausing and asking God to lead us. So let me close with that. God, just thank you so much for our our short time that we've had together and the goodness of our conversation. Thank you for how Scripture always reveals the heart and the nature of who you are and that we were able just to talk through that. Help us just to pray and to ask to the Lord of the harvest where we are to go and invest in others. Father, I pray that we would take action and respond by going and that we would just truly just listen to your heart and respond with that, and that you would give us the opportunity to equip others in the gospel. Thank you again for this time. Bless these men until we get back together next week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.